This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell rushing, and uh, me and Java were just yakking in there. Java, man, oh man, it's been some kind of a week. I've been back a week now, and it's been crazy. Man, if your week was crazy, <laughs> my week was bonkers. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and there's been a lot of interesting stuff happening. For one thing, I find I, I got around to cleaning my garden up. You know, I've been gone for over three months, and the garden was was all weedy. And you and I were just talking about weeds because they're they're, they're on my mind. And uh, you were talking about uh, Michelle's M- Michelle McAdoo's got this new candle in her office yeah while you were gone um uh, mayor margaret the host of next stop mississippi gave michelle a, a kudzu candle and we were thinking kudzus don't have a smell but the candle did but the candle did we thought maybe they just called it kudzu it's a you know a mississippi thing or whatever yeah um but you told us it actually does sm- have a smell and and i, I said before we even before we looked at it, yeah. it it smells like cheap grape bubble gum and you were a ding, ding, ding. And she said, uh, what was the brand I forgot? Bubblicious. Bubblicious. Kudzu is in full bloom right now. People don't realize it's in the same family as wisteria. And in the springtime, wisteria flowers hang down when there's no leaves. Kudzu flowers look just like it. They stand up, but they're hidden in all those leaves. And right now, if you ride around an old country road with kudzu, drive slow, roll your window down, hang your arm out the window, you will smell bubblicious all over the south. Anyway, and it smells good. And, and and get this, the flowers are edible. They've served the kudzu flowers, which are purple and yellow, alcorn colors. You know, if you're not an LSU fan, we're going to stick with alcorn, right? Jackson yeah. State fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that blue, I, we need to find some blue and white flowers, some blue and white flowers. But anyway, uh, it's uh, it's uh, the flowers are edible. The roots are, you make a starch out of it. it. You know, we're having trouble with kudzu. I say if you can't beat it, eat it. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to be talking about all sorts of uh, odds and ends today. I've got plenty to chat with. Got some interesting emails. There's several things cranking up. Gardening events are cranking up really, really big this month. I got a few to share, but uh, mostly it's a call-in program. So if you've got anything that's on your gardening mind, and, and I know there's folks out there who aren't from the South. I mean, I get emails from all over the place who listen to it on the NPR uh because we're we're sister station, we're part of the NPR uh, network. I get people listening from all over the place, and you're welcome. You are welcome. Gardening doesn't care who you are, who your mama and them are. Gardeners, we should all vote, but we don't care <laughs> which way you go. It's your business. But gardening is pretty much a universal thing. We don't care. It doesn't ma- even if we do care. It doesn't matter. So if you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. MPB is for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Ring is the letters you look for if you can't remember numbers, which is like me. We do have some things coming up I want to share with you real quick, but uh, we have some, some callers coming in already. Uh, got some cheesy music coming up. Just, you know, it may not be accurate for this weekend, but it's cheerful, so that's the reason to do it. I got some great rain uh, this week. Sorry if you some of you got more than you want or needed or if you got some damage from it, but I'm taking advantage of it. It's a beautiful weekend for planting 
fall stuff. And as a matter of fact, I planted some stuff yesterday, which if you get a chance, I'll talk about a little bit. I've also seen a serious, serious insect. Uh, it's coming this way. I talked about it a couple of years ago. We hadn't seen it. Uh, this past year, it started showing up in central Mississippi, and I've seen it in my neighborhood now. It's the type of insect that's, that, that can kill crepe myrtle trees, kill crepe myrtle trees, it's called crepe myrtle bark scale. It's a serious thing. It's a bad bug. We can talk about that. Anyway, some things going on real quick before we go to the uh, to, to the phones. Harrison Counter Master Gardens is going to have an annual Fall and Garden Expo and plant sale. I've been to this several times. It's a lot of fun. It's on Saturday next next weekend, Saturday, September 15th. It's going to be at the Coastal Research Extension Center. And that's on uh, Pops Ferry Road in Biloxi. If you can find Biloxi, you can find Pops Ferry Road. And anyway, they've got a real got speakers. They got plant sales. Got all sorts of educational. I think you'll really like that. But it's from nine till three, uh, seminars running through the day about herbs and organic gardening, roses and bromelias and all that. Uh, coming up in about three weeks, Wells Fest is in Jackson, right next to. The, uh, the old uh, baseball stadium on Lakeland Drive, Wells Fest, features a guy named Loy Moncrief, who is famous for his pass-along plants. He propagates plants uh, from all, all year long just for this thing, good old heirloom pass-along plants. Uh, they have all sorts of stuff going on um, in the Mobile area. There's going to be a plant swap, but that's in the next month. We'll talk about that later. And also, there's going to be uh, an author, uh, Andrea Wolf, who wrote a book called The Brother Gardeners, and another book called Founding Gardeners, and she's going to be talking at the Mobile Botanical Garden uh, October 9th. That's a month away. If you've got some things that I can help you with, if I can help you promote, shoot me an email. It's real, real easy, garden at mpbonline.org. Now, I said the number is the toll-free one eight seven seven mpb ring and some folks are taking advantage of it. So I talked with Lisa first. Lisa, you say you're from Strayhorn. Where is that? Yes. Where is yes. that? Yes. It's west of Sanatobia. Okay, west of Sanatobia. That's Delta, right? Uh, you're just right before the Delta. Right on. You're sort of you're you're, you're uphill from from uh, Batesville. <laughs> oh yes, sir. Yes, yeah, we're, yeah. We're uphill from the bottoms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you can look down on Delta folks. Oh well, yeah, but not really. <laughs> they're, not, they're good people. I know. That's where I'm from. What can I help you with today? Um, my cousin has. Some other property, and there's a gardenia and a clematis. Yeah, they're been there since about 2002, and she'd like to either transplant it or trans, or at least get some cuttings off of it to transplant where she lives now. Yeah, well, the gardenia is easy to root. You can take cuttings of gardenias. Uh, you need to get it on it because we're getting towards fall. But if you if if y'all will take cuttings from the ends of the branches, you know the ones that have flowers on them. Cut yes, off sir. four, five, six inches. You know the 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 lattice, the stuff that came on this summer, uh, four, five, six inches. Strip off all but the top two or three leaves, and if there's a flower, pluck it off. Stick it in some water, and it'll be rooted in three weeks. Wow! Then what? Oh, it's just <laughs> well, you 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 can't. Where where she lives? Is she nearby? Oh, yeah, it's where I live here. In oh, okay. What I would do is while it's rooting, I go in and work up the dirt pretty good. You know, dig a nice, you know, shovel deep and a couple of feet wide, and uh, you know, add a little stuff to it. Not much, just a little stuff, sort of like crumbling some crackers up in a bowl of chili, and then cover it with some bark. And then when it roots, the dirt will already be sort of settled down and mellowed and running together. And I would, you could just stick the cutting right in there, and then you know, cover it up to his neck with some some uh, some. Uh, Mulch or something. Matter of fact, you could plant some pansies around it and just take care mm. of the pansies over the winter. And when they're by the time they burn out next uh, uh, spring, you got gardenias growing. I got some pansy seeds already. 
Yeah, well, if you're going to grow from pansy to seed, you need to get started on it because, you know, the, the bigger they are before we get cold, which, is, believe it or not, is only a couple of months away. Uh, but anyway, the main thing is if you put, you know, a little daffodil bulb or a pant, something that, and you take care of the flower, that's more than enough to take care of the gardenia, too. Right, thank and, and you. As far as the, and I, I don't know, is this clematis, 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 I don't know. We, we can't pronounce it either. I, I know, I know. And, and no matter which, it's like monkey grass. Is it Liriope, Liriope? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you need to treat it like a rose, though. She wants to, to save it. What I would do is sometime this winter, I'd cut it back to a couple of feet tall and then mm-hmm. dig it, dig up the roots and move it like you're transplanting a small bush. And next spring, it'll sprout back out and it'll be balanced with the, you know, you can leave a bunch of roots behind when you dig it. So cut it back to a foot and a half, two feet tall, and just move that part. It'll sprout out fine next spring. All right, great. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate, appreciate that. Okay, appreciate it. You stay cool. Uh, uh, stay, what's the word for, n- for not humid? Stay dry. Stay dry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Lisa. Thank you for calling. Thank you, too. All righty, one eight seven seven MP. We need a, a, a word. You know, stay cool, stay warm, stay dry. But is there a word for stay not humid? Oh, I was going to say stay sticky, because but that's but that's humid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, we need to have a word. Somebody listening out there is going to come up with a word that means not humid. Don't you know? Don't be sticky. <laughs> oh boy, I, I brought in some stuff today, Java, to show off, and we've already played with it. But did you see my okra pod? Yeah, that is what is you big burgundy? <laughs> yeah, uh, bur- uh, 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 well, it's just called burgundy okra, but it's 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 maroon colored. I set these plants out before I left. It. I planted them in May from seed. And, I mean, nobody's been there. They're about oh waist high, chest high. They're covered with with these things. Grow up with no care at all. So people say I can't grow any food. No, nope, you're just not trying okra. Now, when you going to uh, dip them in the grease? <laughs> you know, the, ah, look at there. Ooh. I've cracked it open. It smells like, like okra. I don't, re- I don't really like okra. Do you, Java? Come on. No, I, I don't. I don't. But I know a lot of people like, you know, fried okra, of course, well, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Hey, we're from the South. Well, if you figure a way to fry ketchup, we'd eat that. But uh, anyway, a lot of people like okra. And we've been following this guy over in North Carolina all summer. He's been growing okra, like uh, 100 different varieties. And uh, I'm gonna. he's got to cut it down next week to make room for some other stuff in the field. But he's been keeping real careful records of which ones produce, which ones do the best, which ones make the most, which ones grow the longest, which one tastes easier. And I'm going to try to go visit him. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, anyway, uh, folks, if if you are looking for something that's pretty out in the yard, that's easy to grow, that's a tough-as-nails plant, uh, that birds, that butterflies and hummingbirds like, and then birds and other animals like, and you want something that's so gaudy, it's like poking a finger in your neighbor's eyes, there's a native shrub called Calicarpa Americana. Calicarpa, the common name is American Beautyberry. I've heard it called French mulberry or Spanish mulberry, but uh, it's native plant right now, and I'm getting emails from it. It's a pretty big bush. It sends out these branches that have, what I'm going to say, golf ball-sized clusters all up and down the stem of brilliant magenta, almost purple berries. Uh, each each cluster is about the size, not quite the size of a golf ball. It is edible. It tastes really, really mealy. But American Beauty Berry is perfectly edible. Uh, the the little flowers in clusters down in the leaves, butterflies love them. They're just really good for pollinators. Uh, but the berries, a lot of wildlife, a lot of birds like it, opossums, raccoons, all sorts of stuff will eat it. But get this, Native Americans used to take these berries and they would dry them out. 
and they would get them a squirrel or deer or something like that and, 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 and let the meat dry out in the sun till it got all crinkly. They would grind the meat up into powder. They would mix it with this beauty berry. They'd mix in some ground-up pecans or, or maybe uh, uh, you know, a little bit of you know, just whatever they could find, and then they would melt fat around it and let it congeal in this really hard, extremely nutrient-dense food called pemmican. Pemmican was one of the fillers of it. It's American Beauty Berry. Uh, we'll warn you, if you want to try to eat some, it's really mealy-tasting right at first. doesn't have any kind of natural sugars at all. But a uh, matter of fact, when they started doing uh, uh, expeditions to the South Pole, they took pemmican with them because it was dense. It was light. It's easy to travel with. Anyway, American Beauty Berry, big clusters of magenta purple berries this time of year. Great, great native plant for sun or shade. Now, let's go down to Pascagoulas. Good morning, R.C. What's going on? Good morning. Howdy. Uh, Phil, I've got a question about Catawba trees. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a group of Catawba trees, and I've got worms on them right now. They've been on there now for uh, a couple of two or three weeks, and they're mag- the worms are maturing out. Yeah. Okay. What happens to those things once they get to a certain size? That you know, it, it, you can go out there one day and there's worms on the trees, and then the next day, seem like there's about half as many, and then the next day they're all gone. What happens to those things? Well, you know, when 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 butterflies lay eggs and they have a caterpillar, it grows it goes in this little chrysalis thing. Well, this is the larvae of a really big moth, the Catawba moth. And uh, when those caterpillars reach their, you know, their last instar, what's called their maturity, what they do is they uh, form a cocoon, drop to the ground, and then they they lay down, you know, in the grass and in the top of the dirt all winter. And next spring, that hatches out as a new Catawba moth. So they they okay. make, and the cocoon is big as your thumb. I mean, it's a big old, well, it's big enough for that worm to fit in. Gotcha. Well, let, okay, let me I ask you. Wondered what happened? I want to ask you this though, RC. Where did they come from? Did you? I mean, you got a bunch. Did they just show up? No. What What I did, uh, I got some. Uh, I grew the trees. Of course, there's. Uh, you have to transplant the worm to the tree. Yeah, you got to get so, your start. Yeah. That's right. So I went down to. Uh, well, I went up to George County. And uh, they had quite a few up there on a, on a tree close to the Pascagoula River. And uh-huh. uh, I got those and transplanted them to my trees down in Pascagoula. And they've done really well. But often you wonder, it just seems like all of a sudden, you know, you've got them. Two days later, they're gone, just like yeah. a ghost. Yeah, well, that's what happens. You know, they, by the time you notice these things, you know, they're the size of your, your index finger. But by the time you notice them, they're at the end of that phase, and now they're going to go into a cocoon. Now, here's the deal. If you had a bunch of them, uh, R.C., and they drop on the ground, then uh, the, if the fire ants don't get them, then next spring right. they'll they'll hatch out in the moths, and the moths will stick around and lay eggs on those same trees. So once you get a start, enough of them, you know, sort of like getting Spanish small starter. You can't just put two or three sprigs because the birds are carried off. But if you put enough out there, once it gets started, they'll spread. They'll stick around. So the main okay. thing, main thing they got to worry about right now is uh, is fire ants. Okay. Yeah. When they get on the ground, they they don't need the ants to get after them because that's uh, that that ends the life cycle right there. I mean, uh, you know, uh, to to uh, uh, catalpa caterpillar. A cocoon to a fire ant nest is like a feast. So anyway, that's all. You know, if you get enough, once you get a start, then they'll multiply and you have more and more every year. All right, thanks a million. Appreciate it. Cool, RC. Appreciate it, man. All righty, let's go. Uh, let's talk to Brynn. Brynn, you call her from On the Road, right? 
On the road, sir. How you doing, Coach? I'm fine. I see us a 901. What's uh, is that? Tennessee? Where is that? That is Tennessee. I'm a, I'm a Tennessee boy, but uh, working in Mississippi. All righty. What can we help you with today? Well, I'm tempted to start a winter garden. Uh, I'm not a gardener, but I love you and listen to your show. And you're always talking about how anybody can do it, and it doesn't hurt to try. Hey, I can do. Uh, I do it in the back of a pickup. I grow I know, food I in the know, back I'm of a pickup truck. I wanted to win the picture, <laughs> but oh well. Well, listen. Here's the deal. Yesterday, I planted some stuff that will. Uh, produce food before it gets cold. Some of it will be there all the way through the winter into the next spring without me doing much at all. Because in the wintertime, you don't have as many bugs and all that. You don't have to water as much. So I think fall and winter garden is the easiest. Um, you got a, a garden already built up or you got some big pots? Or what you going to uh, grow it well, in? Well, I actually, all right. So what I got is uh, um, some barn dirt that I've shoveled out of a barn and piled uh-huh. up in a row. Yeah, and then I've taken some old, uh, some old roofing, uh, uh, corrugated aluminum roofing, and I've put it down where right next to it. So I'm trying to kill all that grass. Yeah, and I'm gonna till it and kind of work in that barn dirt. There you go, Mi- mix them together. That's right. And, and then that's as far as I got. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the, as soon as you get that done, and, and by the way, you know, you, you don't have to have a bunch of little skinny rows like a cotton or soybean farmer. You can have wide rows that are like two or three feet across on the top, and plant two or three rows of vegetables down that, see? Yeah. And, and that way you can reach from either side. And then once you get stuff planted, just pile a bunch of leaves and stuff like that in, be- in between the plants, keep the weeds down. But this time of year, uh, if you, we could plant lettuces. It's getting a little bit late for things like beets and carrots because they need a good bit of time. Uh, you can plant those. That, carrots, huh? Well, it's not too late, but it's... You know, since you, it's going to be by the time you get around to doing all that stuff. The so only only thing, <laughs> ideas I had were broccoli and carrots. I mean, that's okay. Well, go go ahead and plant some. Here's the deal, though: carrots when you when you sow the seeds, you know, just sprinkle them really, really light because they need elbow room. If you got three or four carrots growing next to each other, none of them are going to make a root. You know, so they all uh-huh. have to so 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 uh, thin them out really good. And then when you sow the seeds, lay a board on top of them to keep the ground from crushing over in the sun and uh, check it after a week or so. And when the carrots start to sprout, then take the board off and let them go. But right at first, you need to like a piece of plywood. Uh, No, just a board, you know, you know, if you've got, you know, you've got a row, just, just lay some, or or cover it with leaves. The main thing is you want to keep that dirt from getting all crusty in the sun and rain and stuff like that till the seeds sprout. Okay. What about, am I, am I watering it during that week when it's got the board on it? If you've got pretty good moisture when you first plant it, you uh-huh. don't need to. But if if you'll okay. if if you'll put the seeds out there and just wet it down, just wet it down uh-huh. and cover it up, it'll stay moisture the sprout. But other thing, you can plant cabbage and broccoli, but again, you need to kind of get on it um, sure. because it takes two or three months. Okay. When you go to get your plants, Bren, don't get the big, tall, biggest ones. Get the one the ones I bought yesterday were little, small, floppy things because they don't ever stop growing. You put them in the ground put some leaves around them, keep the dirt loose, and they'll keep on growing and, and, and make. But if you get some that are big and tough and woody, sometimes they shut down and they'll grow, but they won't make a head. So get the right. little ones. Okay. Now, what, one last thing. I'll throw this out. As much as you want, brother. Kale, K-A-L-E. Yes, sir. It's sort of the modern version of collards. Uh-huh. And it'll take zero degrees. It'll grow outside in Michigan, okay? Yeah. And they're pretty plants. And you put some kale out. There's there's several different kinds. Um, 
you know, di- slightly different flavors. But there's one that's called Tuscan Blue. It's a kind of a blue. Some people call it dinosaur kale. It is the prettiest plant, and you just snap the lower leaves off, and you can cook them in soups or whatever you want to. But it is a pretty plant, and it will not freeze in Tennessee over the wintertime. It's a pretty Tuscan plant, Tuscan Blue Kale. Yeah, Tuscan Blue. It's go by some other names, but uh, if you can't remember that, shoot me an email. Dinosaur Kale. So can I ask you, where would I get this kale? Well, you know, you get seeds for that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, if there's a co-op around nearby, sometimes they'll have the seeds for them at, uh, you know, at, at big box stores. But almost mm-hmm. any garden center will have some, you know, that sells broccoli and cabbage will probably have some kale plants. I would imagine I can order it online if I can't find it in a Yeah, but need, need to get right on it because, like I say, Got they it. need to sprout and get a little size on them before we get wintertime, and we're we're up against that. Man, I appreciate you, Felder. You're the best. Welcome back. Have fun. Thank you, man. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. All righty. Before we uh, go into the next little break, let me throw this out. There is a, uh, you know, we've had this little thing called Dear Felder, Dear Felder. Um, uh, The guy named Gus Mohammed has been taking the the lyrics, the verses that you have sent in. A lot of you have sent in these verses. It's along the line of... uh, of uh, John Prine's song, Dear Abby, Dear Abby. Anyway, this is probably the last one we're going to run for a little while. Uh, but anyway, Gus, I ran into Gus the other night, him and his wife. He and his wife were in, in a restaurant near uh, where I live in Jackson. We had a great time for the, for Belzona. But uh, anyway, it's been a fun little project. I thank the folks who took time to join in. This li- week's lyric submissions from Hillary Sugar, an avid listener from Utah. Dear Felder, dear Felder, my seeds never grow. Where did I plant them and where did they go? I spaced them all careful and cover with dirt. But if I were a farmer, I'd sure lose my shirt. Sign just can't grow. Just can't grow, just can't grow. Well, here's what I know. You can plant them all crazy or straight in a row. But plant one for the worms and one for the birds. And plant one for yourself, you might just get a third. Sign, dear Felder. Dear Felder, dear Felder, I grow food in my lawn. The city will find me if I keep going on. Neighbors all tell me it's no way to grow. Would you please help me put them all in the know? Sign, lawn foodie. Dear foodie, dear foodie, you have no complaint. Just make it look tidy and use some nice paint. Add in a few flowers and make it look great. Keep your neighbors all happy, there'll be no more hate. Sign, dear Felder. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Enjoy the little dear Felder, dear Felder thing. Uh, we've got some lines open right now. If you want to give us a call, it's uh, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Toll-free. Got the lines wide open. Love to, to chat with you. I know a lot of folks have got things on their mind right now. Uh, not much you can be doing for your lawn. I will tell you that. Now that we're into September, I keep in mind, I don't sell stuff. I'm retired university. I study turf management. does not matter to me in the least what you do for your lawn. 
But looking at it from the grass's point of view, I would say we're at the end, if not past. We're right at the very tail end of the recommended time to give your grass some fertilizer. If you're the type of person who want to put some winterizer out this weekend, we usually say around the 1st of September or so, because the grass has got to have time to the, the fertilizer needs to dissolve a little bit in some rain. It needs to be absorbed by the grass. The grass has got to use it. It's got to toughen up, and it needs time to settle down before winter, or else you're going to push it, slam up against a cold freeze, you get winter damage. So if you want to fertilize your grass one more time this year, this is the weekend. It's past the weekend I usually recommend. And again, this is from your grass's point of view, not what anybody tells you. This is based on turf science, southern turf science. Use a winterizer. If you have something like centipede or St. Augustine, probably doesn't need a second, uh, another feeding. Uh, but you can use a winterizer or the stuff called centipede food. It has that third number as a winterizer ingredient uh, already in it. So either one of those. And again, this is sort of the last weekend. If you wait, you're liable to push your grass up against wintertime. And if we have a normal winter, it can get damaged. Now let's go, uh, let's talk about Tyler. Tyler, you're older. Oh, 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 I pushed the button too quick. Is it too late to unpush it? Are you there, Tyler? <laughs> Tyler, are you there? No, I can't. I don't know what to do. Push the button. Push the button. Tyler, are you there? Uh, can you hear me? <laughs> I can. I can. You know, I only have one button to, button to push, and I screw it up. <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot. This is the first time I'm calling in. I do try to listen to the show when I'm able. Where are you uh, from? Where are you from? Well, I'm from Columbus, but I'm going through Oklahoma right now. Well, that's just right up the road. Right. What's going on? What can we help you with? Well, uh, I was kind of interested. I just got my first home, and I wanted to kind of get into planting flowers. Uh, it's kind of a fixer-upper, and some of the first ones I got were some trailing petunias. Yeah, was it Purple Wave by any chance? or It was. One? That's a great one, probably the best. You lucked up on getting that one to start with. Oh, they were beautiful, um, and but fragrant. they were only beautiful for so long because I quickly found out about budworms. <laughs> yeah, oh well. <laughs> and the only thing I could figure out, and it was just a couple of questions I had about it, um, one of the recommended things, just reading up on it, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Bacillus thuringiensis. Yeah, that's the, we just call that biological worm spray, and there's several brands of it, and it only kills the larvae of butterflies and moths, caterpillars, you know. Right. So, and and it works like a charm. It's organic, and the the birds and the spiders and the and the wasps that eat the worms won't be poisoned, and that does work. It works great, as a matter of fact. Well, I kind of found out about it a little too late. Yeah. And it was at one point I felt like I got it stopped. And then it kind of came back around. Yeah. I tell you something. Tell you estimated them. Here's something else you can do, Tyler. Because it's a trailer, it's almost like a vine. You can also just cut the plants back. And that gets rid of all the stuff that's got the, the bugs on it. And they'll sprout back out. And before they start sprouting out blooming again, it's like a fresh start. Okay. Uh, and by the way, if you just started, did you plant any other kind of flowers out there? Well, I had some... Oh, what were they? Um, oh, goodness, they were pink. 
<laughs> oh, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen, if right. you want to do it again, it's, uh, you know, petunias, by the way, Purple Wave is one of the few that grow over the summer. Most of the time, petunias grow better in cool climates like Vancouver or England, and they sort of shut down in the middle of summer here, except for, for, for the wave petunias. But there's a handful of others that, that you can plant in April or May, and they will be nonstop blooming right up, slam up till frost. You know, so that way, yeah. if you if you have two or three or four different kinds of flowers, if something happens to one, you still got something to keep your spirits up, right? And uh, and if you like a list of that, you know, I mean, I could rattle them off the top of my head like Angelonia. Think Angelonia, Angelonia okay. will not stop. And you can actually put, uh, you know, like I plant this stuff called burgundy okra. It's a pretty, right. it's a pretty plant. Imagine it with some spiky Angelonia under it, and then a a skirt of that purple wave petunia, and you got something going on. Oh, no, so so, so mixing stuff up, you know, something spiky, something roundy, something frilly, that kind of thing, always looks better, and you don't have to worry so much about losing one of them. Right. So if you get a chance, shoot me an email, and I'll, I'll send you a list of what I consider, and this is based on personal experience, un- things that will grow in the back of my truck for three months with no care at all is still there when I got back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, when I cut those back, I guess this is really the last uh question i had about it but when i cut those back is there a certain length i should look at cutting them back because what i found was when i pinched off a part of uh one of the vines and i I didn't even realize this is kind of how they worked but probably four or five little budworms fell out from inside the actual vine itself yeah uh, you know, there's there's not a rule of thumb. You know, the more you learn about gardening, the more you just take your glasses off and just jump in and don't worry about the sure. details. But what you might try is cut some at different lengths and leave some to bloom, you know, even though okay. they may have budworms. But anyway, just play around. You know, there's a lot of rules in horticulture that don't apply at all to gardening. Right. And a matter of fact, horticulturists and sometimes their, their, their choir, you know, the master gardens and all, which I started the program, appreciate them. Sometimes they stick to the rules, and gardeners don't. It's like home cooking. You don't have to measure everything. <laughs> right. Anyway, shoot me an email, Tyler. Let's have some fun with this. And uh, send me a picture, too. Maybe I can kick around some ideas with you. Yeah, I've still got some uh, good ones from when they were uh, not eating a lot. Good, good, good. Well, now, now let's stick some wintertime stuff out there and uh, – like kale. If you can find some kale plants, will not die this summer. I mean, this hey, that winter. Sounds great. I make a ton of smoothies. So. That's a good one. And the, the, the yeah. one, the one called Tuscan Blue. The 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 real name is Lasinata. Let think Lacy. It's a pretty plant, and it tastes better than other kales. I'm just saying. Awesome. I'm just saying. You got to get rid of that midrib. Other than that, it's a great smooth tasting one. Pretty too. Good deal. All righty, man. Hands on the wheels. Give me a shoot, shoot an email. Thank you so much. All righty. Now let's go to uh, to Jackson and talk with Dorothy. Dorothy, you got a crepe myrtle question? Okay, yes. Uh, good morning. Howdy. And I love the show. Thank you. I am calling. I heard you mention something about uh, scales on the crepe myrtles, and I think that's what has happened to my yeah. crepe myrtle. Mm-hmm. So it's... I, I, it's disease, all I know. Well, here, here's the the the, the scale. It's pretty easy to tell. Uh, it, it just started getting cranked up. You know, I've only seen a little bit here in Jackson, uh, the Jackson area, but uh, it's pretty. It's going to spread pretty quickly. The scale look like little small white bumps, and and a lot of times you're in lines or in little clusters 
on the trunk, and as they suck, they're sort of like plant ticks. And as they suck juice out of the of the of the crepe myrtle, their excrement has got dissolved plant sugar in it, so it leaves that black mold stuff that grows. Okay. So that looks like a disease, but that's just some natural mold. It is the same stuff that grows on syrup if you leave it on your kitchen counter too long. So, but but the, that black mold is a is a pretty sure sign if it's on the the trunks, and then you'll see these little white, off white little little uh, you know they're maybe a fourth of an inch long at the most. And if you see those, that's crepe myrtle bark scale. It's fairly new, and it's going to be a bad one. Uh, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot we can do. There's, I was talking with Herbie Austin, who's uh, my go-to guy in the garden uh, center world, and uh, there's, a, there's a, a material you can buy that you mix with water and pour it around the base of the plant. Uh, and it's sold on a bunch of different brands. Most garden centers people know about this by now because their suppliers have got, gotten the uh, word out. But it, you soak it into the ground, it soaks into the plant, and it poisons the ones that bite on it. Luckily, crepe myrtles don't have a lot of bees on it, so we don't have to worry about that. And mm-hmm. and also this winter, uh, I think, even though the research hasn't really supported it yet, I'm pretty sure you can spray this stuff called dormant oil. It's a it's a natural product. All garden centers have it. You spray it on the trunk, and it'll sort of smother any of the scale that are overwintering. I think that'll be a pretty good, probably the easiest thing to do without having to put poison in the dirt. Okay. Okay. But but look 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 for those little little white things. You know you can rub them off. They're little white bump looking things, and you know you can squish them. You know, and uh, but if you see those and some black stuff on the bark, that's what it is. Well, certainly there's the black uh, mold on the bark, and it's covering most of the trunk of that tree. That would be it. Yeah, because you know the aphids and things like that, they'll drop the the black. You know, the, they're dripping on the leaves. And that black stuff grows on that. The black stuff called sooty mold, it's not really a problem that much. But they're the okay. symptom you got bugs. If it's all over the bark, I bet it's this, this scale. Good and luck. So the, the scales are actually an insect? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when, oh. they, when they hatch out from eggs, they crawl up to a place, they attach themselves, they drop the legs, and they cover themselves this little, little, like little armor, armor thing. Okay. So any nursery will be able to supply your recommended product? Yeah. Uh, it, the the actual ingredient starts with IMI. I just can't pronounce the whole thing. In my complete, okay. I, I can't pronounce it. Okay. But it starts with IMI. But they'll, they'll know what you It's a soil drench for crepe myrtle bark scale. I, I personally think it's a little bit late in the season of doing that, Dorothy, because okay. that stuff works best when sap is being pulled up in the tree, and trees are mm-hmm. starting to slow down for the fall. So I don't know so, that I would treat this year with it. So early spring treat it? Uh, yeah, early spring, late spring, after the leaf out. You know, that, that that's when it pulls the stuff up into the tree, and it works a whole okay. lot better that way. Okay, okay. Good luck, okay, Helen, Dorothy. I cut it back. It was looking horrible, and I thinned it out because I thought it wasn't getting enough sunlight yeah. to keep it dry, But uh, and I thinned it quite a bit. Yeah. So. Well, you okay. know, it's, it's going to be a tough one, but, it, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it, it looks horrible. It is in my front yard. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck on it, Dorothy. Appreciate your call. Thank you. All right, and we've got another crepe myrtle call. Uh, I want to play some cheesy music in a second, but let's go to Germantown in Tennessee. Hey, Nellie, good morning. Good morning. Oh. Thank you very much. You bet. What's um, up? I was listening to your discussion with Dorothy, and I had the, I have the same situation. So yes. You have answered my question, and I will 
go to the garden center and buy the product uh, uh, well, and wait uh, until the spring. Yeah, and if you want to get this stuff called dormant oil, all the garden centers sell it. You mix up, you just spray the trunks with it, and you can do that in the wintertime when, the, when there's no leaves on the tree, and that'll suffocate most of them. And then if okay. you still have some next spring, this other stuff will, will sort of clean it up a little bit. But I, you know, that's, I wouldn't do anything this time of year. It's kind of late. Yeah, because I, this is first time I've had this situation, so I guess it's... Um, more prevalent. Uh, it just year. it just it just started showing up uh, the past uh, three or four or five years, and it's just spreading real quick, you know. But that's one of those things. Which you got the, and I've got crepe myrtles in my yard, so something we all gonna have to grapple with. It just part yeah. just gotta so hold your head up. Say the name of that oil again. You said uh, it's called dormant. Do- dormant oil. You you spray it okay. on plants in the wintertime while they're dormant. It. I wanted to make sure I remembered dormant yeah. correctly, <laughs> so well, they don't it, look at me like. What, lady? <laughs> uh, or, you know, they may arch and I say, do you mean horticultural oil? And say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate it. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Okay. I don't know, Java, you want to play the tune or just keep going with the phone calls? You're the boss here, man. Yeah, we'll go ahead and play the tunes because I don't think we've ever played this tune long as, as late as we have right now. Yeah, and and, and, and it may not be appropriate, but... I'm going to hold my head up and just say, let's have fun this weekend. Watching your face on that one, Java. <laughs> you told me what it was. I knew what it was. I queued it up, but I still laughed as soon as <laughs> as soon as the zippity doo came out. Come on, you know we crate myrtle bark scale, you know, and weeds and funk. Come on, folks, it's gardening. <laughs> let's go. Let's go to Point Clear, Alabama. Regina, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. What's up? Well, I need to know about shrubbery. I, uh, my neighbors have put up an eight-foot privacy fence, mm-hmm. and I want to cover it. Yeah. And what is a fast-growing shrub that grows really fast and gets really thick okay, in I, a month? <laughs> okay. I, well, I, I can recommend several things off the top of my, my, my head, but let me throw this out first. If you want okay. fast... Uh-huh. Believe it or not, a small plant is better than a big one because a small really? plant, yeah, a big one is going to sit there. Its roots are going to struggle to get established, and the top leaves are sucking juice, you know, sap, and all that. And uh-huh. so, a small plant will get established quicker and jump. A big one would just sit there. So, if you get one that's half the size of your fence, this time next okay. year it's not going to be a whole lot bigger. Get one that's about knee high. This time next uh-huh. year it'll be bigger. So, I, I'm just oh. saying. And also, if you dig a wide hole. 
you know, not a little hole, and loosen up the potting soil so that the roots, the quicker the plant can get established in its roots, the quicker it's going to jump next spring. Not going to get much growth the rest of the season. Let me ask you this. A couple of things real quick from a design point of view. Is it a long fence? Can you just tone down part of it so it doesn't bother you? Can you hang something like a mirror or a wall hanging on part just to take your mind off the fence? Uh, I guess I could, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, because a lot of times, you know, it's it's just the that slap in the face that bothers us. And if you could just yes, take some, of, if you if you can just take some of the sting out of it, put you a, a couple of three little groups of plants out there, uh-huh. and then the in between stuff, you know, hang a you know a, a, a smiley sun face or a mirror, or just go to a, an old depot store and get you some old window frames and ha- okay. paint them a pretty color and hang them on the fence. Oh, and see okay. what I'm saying? And, you know, that way yeah. it makes it go, it, it takes the sting out of the slap. Yeah. To, yeah. to your okay. plants. And then you can take those things down later. But anyway, ligustrum, the plant called wax ligustrum, it's, yeah. a, it's a good, solid, steady, fast grower. It won't get too big and it'll bloom every spring. So, you know, okay. that's probably one of your most dependable, fast growing, not too big shrubs. You could also okay. put out in front of it maybe two or three. Uh, planted five or six or seven feet apart, crepe myrtle trees, a group of crepe myrtle trees, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's say a third way from one end of the fence to the other. And, th- yeah. you know, a lot of times that'll break that line. It won't bother you. So come out on your side and plant a group of maybe some crepe myrtle trees or some nandinas or something under it. That might be uh-huh. all the way to t- all, all you need. Okay. All right. But you're not going to get much growth out of anything the rest of this year. So, you know, oh. I, I wouldn't be okay. tempted to plant something really, really big. Okay. Um, you know, just let's just find some way to take the sting out of it for this year. Okay. What else would you recommend besides the ligustrum? Well, ligustrum is a good one. You can plant this plant called red top photinia. I wouldn't plant a row of anything because you plant a row of stuff, the third one at the end is going to die and it's going to make everything look worse than the fence. So, you know, you could put uh, a red top photinia here and there, some ligustrum here and there. There's a native plant called wax myrtle that actually makes almost like a small tree, but it's a good fast grower. And all these are evergreen. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you thought of that. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, and if you need some more, shoot me an email. I've got some more ideas, but let's think about just taking some of the some of the sting out of the slap and not worry about hiding the whole fence. Okay. Uh, let's go to now, and thank you for your call. Let's go to stay in a mobile. Hey, John, good morning. Yes, sir. Mr. Hogan, I'm glad you're there. Thank you, sir. Hi. What's up? Hi. I have a question for you. I have a tree. It must be about a foot in diameter. I uh, think it's some sort of oak. Uh-huh. They got hit by lightning. Recent, last yeah. The uh, the bark on the tree is literally blown away from the from the uh, yeah the mess of the tree. It's still hanging there, but it, if you touch the bark, everything just floats. If you would, yeah. Is that a is that a lost cause? Do I just cut it down, or is there a chance that that beast might? Resurrect itself. Well, you know, it, it might hang in the front. Here, here's the deal. You know, sometimes people get struck by lightning and they walk away from it just scratching their shoulder. You know, so trees get struck by lightning and can flow on the outside of the bark, doesn't do anything. Sometimes they get blown wide open and they live for years. Sometimes they tar- start turning brown within a couple of weeks. So it depends yeah. on the severity of the lightning, you know, the heat of it, so many different factors. So as long as the tree looks okay from across the street, I wouldn't worry. There's nothing you can do about it. But, you know, I would, a lot of times I see mature trees that have this like a curling streak down in the bark where they got struck by lightning and it grew over it and did perfectly fine. Is so, 
this tree has a literally the bark is blown off the tree. Yeah, all the way around or just around the street? All, all, all the way around, all yeah. the way around. The, yeah. the, if you touch what bark is left on the tree right now, it 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 it's yeah. literally just floating on the surface of the tree, and you Ch- can feel it off of your hand. Chances are good that it ain't gonna make it. Chances are good yeah. because the only living part of that trunk is that little thin green stuff right under the bark, and that's where the right. lightning stroke and it superheated, right. blew the bark away. So it's like all the skins have been peeled off of it. So that you know, it, it's not good. There's nothing you can do about it. The tree's not going to fall down right away. So I'd wait till at least next summer to decide what to do. So let's is just. There, is there a chance that beetles or whatever will start infesting that tree? Because I have a series of other trees around that that I want to. Nor, normally not. You know, the beetles, you know, once the beetles, once insects get inside a tree, you know, that's just made out of, it's not pressure tree wood, just plain old wood. Once you get beetles and fungi and all sorts of stuff in there, woodpeckers and squirrels and stuff, there's not much you can do about it. But usually a healthy tree, you know, just like healthy skin, if you keep picking at a sore long enough, you're going to get infection. But if you're okay, chances are nothing's going to problem. So I wouldn't worry about that is what I'm saying. I, okay. I really would, and I, I taught the course at, at, at university. I really wouldn't worry about that. If it was pine trees, it'd be a whole different thing. But yeah. uh, with oaks and hardwood trees, I wouldn't worry about that at all. Let's just—I'd wait till next spring. If it doesn't leaf out, just think about taking it down or just leaving it there. Give a place for the woodpeckers to live in. Yeah. I'll call you back next year and let you okay. know how it yeah. But, but the, 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 there's no treating for it right now. Is what I'm trying to say. You don't need to, to make a decision right away. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Appreciate y'all being there. Have a oh, good day. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, let's go down to Gulfport. Hey, Tim, you've been working with this uh, crate myrtle thing for a while? Yeah. Um, one of the methods I came up with was, you know what these, uh, you ever heard of these paint gloves you use for uh, 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 posts and things, the heart, and you can't use a brush? Yeah. Uh, just take one of those and uh, uh, soak them in uh, uh, warm, soapy water. And uh, this is only going to work on the plants where people commit crate murder, of course, mm-hmm. because if their plants are too tall, they won't be able to do this. But just using that paint glove, the warm, soapy water, you can literally scrub the uh, the scales and the mold off. Yeah. Uh, you have to come back in the spring and do it again because uh, you won't be able to get to the eggs yeah. that are inserted into the bark. Yeah, and you know... Oh, if, oh and by the way, that uh, at, uh, neonicotinoid... How do you, how do you uh, say Emma... About, Emma... <laughs> Say it again, slowly. Say again? Say it again, slowly. Emma. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you're fading on me. I'm okay. just going to have to hang up, but uh, I hope I helped out a little bit. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, he, he, the, the name of it, of this insecticide, starts with I-M-I. And, you know, I'm... You know, I, I, I just can't pronounce some things. That's just the way. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Garden centers know what you're talking about. It starts with the IMI. What he's saying is you can rub, you know, just put, put some glue. You can rub a lot of the scale off with a little soapy water and get rid of that brown. So that's a temporary, that's a topical treatment, and that'll get rid of the worst of it for now. Yeah, but they'll, they'll be back in the spring. That's what, that's what he's saying. And this insecticide, you mix it with water, you drench the soil with it, it's absorbed through the roots and gets pulled up in the plant. And uh, sort of like taking an antibiotic if you've got, uh, you know, a, a disease thing, uh, if you've got a problem with your body. Uh, I think it's too late to use that this year because the trees are already starting to go, go dormant. But anyway, I'm just not starting to get calls about this. We'll deal with it a lot over the years. But meanwhile, let's slide up to just shy of the Tennessee line of South Haven, Mississippi. Hey, John, good morning, sir. Hey, Zelda. Howdy. Um, I've had 
trouble getting Bermuda out of my uh, daylilies and out of monkey grass. Mm -hmm. I went to uh, my garden center or nursery, and they sold me a product called Over the Top. Right, and that'll, that should work. But that didn't work. Well, here, here's the deal on this, John. This Over the Top, you know, and a lot of people... A lot of my organic gardening friends think I shouldn't recommend any kind of chemicals at all. But, I, you know, I live in a real life, and there are some things I think are not only effective, but they're safe. I really think they're pretty safe. This stuff only kills true grasses. It won't kill monkey grass, which is a lily. It won't kill daylilies. won't kill tomatoes. It only kills true grasses. But it works like Roundup. It doesn't work on plants that are old, that are gone to seed, that are dry, that are, you know. It works best on young, actively growing stuff. So what I would do is I'd wait till next spring when the Bermuda grass first greens up and starts growing really good and we get some warm weather, then use it because that's when it works best. I mean, it just okay. doesn't, doesn't work on plants that are that are mature, going to flower, seed, or are really hot and dry. So in the springtime okay. is when it works. I tried it in the middle of the summer. Nah, it you know. Well you, know, well, you know, some people say Roundup doesn't kill stuff because they sprayed it in the summertime. It, these things work best on young, actively growing plants, and then both of them degrade into carbohydrates. It's not. It's, it's really not a serious. It's not not something I would worry about too much. But okay. try trying try to spray. Wait till it greens up good in the spring, though, when it starts getting warm up in South Haven. Okay, great. Thanks oh. much, fella. All right, appreciate it. And and by the way. Uh, Java, you know, this gestalt thing, we're talking about gestalt, you know, which means all the little details. The sum of the parts is greater than the whole. You know, that's what we're saying. And, you know, I brought in this artificial grass this morning. When I was a kid, we had AstroTurf. It looked and smelled like plastic. But, but that 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 actually you had to tell us because I honestly thought you just had some grass with you. Yeah, it's it's got three different colors of green in it. And it's got brown stuff woven in with it, too. So it looked like real grass. And it's kind of soft because I know the AstroTurf, what you're talking about, it was that no. was just hard spray-painted green. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, you know, it, people would be surprised that a horticulturist would recommend something artificial. But, you know, Rick Griffin, uh, who's been a guest here several times, he's a, a renowned landscape architect, been in Southern Living 30-something times. He has little bits of it. I see it used appropriately in places where grass is simply not practical, including botanic gardens and a lot of English gardens. Anyway, uh, I also brought in some flowers that I picked along the way, some different grasses with a little long, skinny flowers. Some are multiple branches. Some are, but grasses, what we call weeds, have got the prettiest little flowers. If you'll pluck one, I mean, I pulled a bunch of grassy weeds in my yard this, this past week because they grew up over the summer. It didn't take that long, but uh, if you'll take time when you're pulling weeds, any kind of weed, and look at it up close, you know, see the little furry bits, look at the color, look at the, you know, feel the, the textures of, if you'll just, you know, and I don't, I don't want to say get intimate with your weeds, but if you'll look at them up close, even though you got to pull them, have a little bit more appreciation of the fact that they're still really uh, living plants. Uh, Java, you asked me if there are any weeds that people grow. Are there any weeds people grow in their yards? And I've got five or six different kind of plants that most people consider weeds, and they are mainstays of my fall garden. Goldenrod, wild azuratum, a narrowly sunflower. They're native plants, and they're weedy along the roadside. But in my garden, they're fantastic, good-looking, low-maintenance, pollinator-friendly, cut-flower garden plants. They just happen to be 
they happen to get real thick out in the woods and along the roadside. But if you look at them individually, they're quite cool, quite cool. And that's the gestalt sort of thing. And same thing with the artificial grass. If you don't believe me, well, whether you like it or not, if you don't believe me, go to my personal blog, felderrushing.blog. I got a pretty extensive little thing with some pictures of artificial grass. The Gestalt Gardens is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Java Chapman. He's the main guy here. Uh, call screener. Uh, Liz Gill. Liz Gill. Liz Gill, so, thank you for doing that. We're going to take a, a week-long break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. You can hear all sorts of stuff all week long, Monday through Friday, lots of locally produced programs. But meanwhile, if you get a chance this beautiful weekend to put out some kale and broccoli and pansies and and, uh, and parsley and just have a, let's, let's do some gardening, folks. Take a kid with you to a garden center or to a farmer's market and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.